Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for every person here, Lord God. Thank you that there's a reason that everyone is here today. Online, outside, in the hall, Lord God, we just thank you that today you are doing a good work in every heart. Holy Spirit, I pray that no one would leave here the same. I'm asking, Lord God, that you would, you would deliver us from small thinking. You would deliver us from the lies of the enemy, Lord God, that we would see clearly today who you are, who we are in you, Lord God, and that the glory of the union between us and you would be shown to the world, that, that people would hunger to have what we have because of the life and the joy that is emanating from us. Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You remember Infinity Wars? I'm going to get to the Bible right after this. But you remember Infinity Wars? And how Thanos looked at the world or the worlds and saw the chaos and made a decision to wipe out a, a large part of the population. You remember that? Sure. Now it's only a movie. Praise the Lord for that. But it does illustrate a kind of thought, a kind of way of thinking that I, I find pervading society today. You see it on social media, you see it in movies, you see it in a number of places, and it goes something like this. The world is a mess, and we all win. Amen. <laughs> Praise God we don't live in Ukraine. But God, stuff is happening. The world is a mess because of people. And therefore, the way we fix the mess is to wipe out people. At the extreme end of this, this kind of story is just, just to save the earth, we just get rid of people completely. A more moderate one is just we just reduce the population. We stop, we stop people from being and things will get better. Now, when we look at the world, we, we will all agree there's some messes around. And we would all agree the primary perpetrators of the mess are human beings. But interestingly enough, when God wanted to solve this problem, unlike the time of the days of Noah, he decided not to wipe out humanity. He had a much better plan. He decided to become one of us. That's right. Good. And he started a revolution through Jesus Christ, that would change the world from the inside out, from, from the inside of us out. He would change mankind so that the world would be changed, so that the world would be saved, so that creation could live under the glory of Jesus Christ, yeah. under the glory of his, his rule and reign. Yeah. It's such a beautiful story. He, he came down to change us from being the perpetrators to being the solution. A very famous scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right. You see, this was God's solution. Praise God, Thanos isn't God. Praise God, he doesn't exist. Praise God that Yahweh is on the throne. And he made a, he made a decision, he made a plan that is so workable and great. Today I'm going to continue where Calvin left off last week. We are looking at a slide that is about to come up. 
There it is. We are doing a sermon series called Why Am I Here For Goodness Sake? The question of existence, why am I alive? And we're going to be continuing the concept of image bearers that we spoke of last week. We're going to be going through a, a passage of scripture. Mostly we're going to be spending time in Genesis 1 through 3. This week we're going to be spending all our time in Genesis 1 in three particular verses, just Genesis 1, 26 to 28. But before we jump into that, those particular scriptures and discover why we exist, what is the meaning of being human? What, why am I here? What is my purpose and what am I made to do with my life? How do I fulfill the calling of God on my life? Before we, before we look at that, I, I want to... I want to paint a picture of you, so there's, for you, not of you. I couldn't do that. I want to paint a picture for you so that we can frame these three verses appropriately. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The most iconic, the most memorable start to a book in human existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning of Genesis 1. In that statement, God is stating emphatically that he is the creator, he is the originator of all, that out of nothing, he created in an instance time, space, and matter. Bam! There it was. There was nothing before, and now everything existed. The Bible goes on and says that, that all of this was, was kind of chaotic. It was formless and void, it says. And the darkness was over the face of the water and the, the spirit was hovering over the water. So he's created everything, bam, and it's all just there, but it's just this chaotic mass of time and space and, and matter just all there. And then he says, into that he spoke, let there be light. And bam, light exploded everywhere. And then it says he began to order things. He separated the light from the dark, the waters from the waters, the seas from the land, and he began to populate everything with life. Yeah. The Bible records it as six days of God ordering creation. And then at the very end, he looked at all of, right the way he's going through, he says, and it was good. And he saw that it was good. And at the very end, when he creates mankind as the pinnacle of his creation, he says, and it was very good. Yeah. Some of the greatest controversy in Christianity must be about this chapter. Every, every Christian I, I talk to has a different view of how creation really happened. When I go into the sermon, what I'm not doing is raising those controversies. I just want to acknowledge them. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about young earth, old earth, science versus creation, the theology of, of creation. But what I am going to do is I'm going to invite you to become thinking Christians. I'm going to invite you to learn for yourself and not just take your view of this from popular Christian rhetoric. Yeah. I, I want you to dig deep and, and, make, and make decisions for yourself. So I have three books that I am going to recommend to you that you can go and look at. First of all, there is The Lost World of Genesis 1, and that is by Walton. 
John Walton, The Seven Days That Divide the World by John Lennox, and Navigating Genesis by Hugh Ross. If you want to have an argument with me about how creation happened, please read those books first. Right. Then we'll talk. You see, in this church, we, we want to accommodate many different views. In the essentials, we want to be absolutely clear and absolutely firm. Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, the only savior of the world. God, Yahweh, is the creator of all existence. He commands allegiance. He is worthy to be worshiped. He is the creator of all and therefore the definer of all. We do what he says. These are essentials. Jesus Christ, the savior, came. God came as man to save the world, to save you and me. He, uh, he lived the perfect life. He died a sacrificial death so that we might be reconciled to God our Father and live the life that he has always destined for us. On the essentials, we are absolutely sure. On the non-essentials, we say, guys, let's just walk together. Let's just, just love and live together. And we can, all, we can all have slightly different views, but on the essentials, we're gonna be absolutely clear. So I want to, I want to now jump to those, those three particular verses that, we were, that I said to, and let me read them to you. It's, it's about the creation of mankind. Verse 26, Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. If you look at the scripture, you will notice two concepts coming out. And if you just flip to the next slide, those concepts will be underlined. First of all, man made in God's image. And the second one is that we have dominion. In some way, man is stamped with the picture of God. Mankind exudes a godness that nothing else in all of creation exudes. At the same time, we have dominion. And if any of you have been bitten by a mosquito, it's hard to imagine that we really do have dominion. It seems like nature has dominion over us. You know what I'm talking about? If any of you have had your car pockmarked by hail, oh my gosh, I wish dominion meant hail stop now. So what does it mean? What does it mean to have dominion? Let's start with the image of God. Earlier I said that God ordered the universe in what the Bible um, calls six days in a very sequential way. Interestingly enough, this segment of, of, of scripture, in fact, the whole of Genesis was, was written to Israel, was written about the time when Israel came out of Egypt. So about the time of the book of Exodus, at that time, this was written and recorded. And um, we understand that the Bible is written for us. Every, every verse, every word has significance to us in our modern day, but the Bible wasn't just written for us. 
It was, well, it was written for us, excuse me, let me say it this way. It was written for us, but it was not written to us. It was written to an ancient people. And first and foremost, it must have been understandable to them. Because what would the use have been if God wrote the creation story completely understandable to a 21st century audience, but that was flying right over the heads of an ancient Near East culture? And you see, that, that ancient Near East culture needed some things. Those early Israelites needed something. They were living in and marinating in the cultures around them. Israel had grown up in Canaan and been infused with the Canaanite um, myths and religions. They'd spent 400 years in Egypt marinating in Egyptian theology, so much to the point that when they came out of Egypt and, and had the first chance to worship God in the way they thought, they went and made a golden calf. They did it. They did it the other way. They, the, the culture that they were in was infusing their understanding of worship to that degree. So when God wrote Genesis to them, this is what you have to understand when you read it. He was writing to them in that context. And you see, an, an ancient Israelite, when they read Genesis 1, it would have blown their minds. Because it would have said to them, unlike everything you've heard from the cultures around you, there are not many gods who kind of created because they were busy fighting and this one created that and this one created that and there was this, this kind of warfare or, or contention amongst the gods that, that resulted in this, this, this reality we see around you. That these many gods had, had kind of a, each had authority over a certain thing and you had to woo that God. If you chose a God and you wanted him to bless you or her to bless you, you had to, you had to work hard to get their favor. And that meant building them a temple. Building them a beautiful temple that you had, had ordered very, very carefully. And then you would we'd try and woo them to come and rest in your temple. If they came and rested in your temple, then your nation would be blessed by them. And you would create idols out of stone or wood and, and perhaps the God would be so gracious as to come and in, inhabit that idol and then present to the world the image of themselves through that idol. And then your nation would be okay. But now when the ancient Israelites read this, oh my gosh, here was God ordering all of creation and then coming to rest in all of creation. What did that mean? To them it meant God created his own temple. Yeah. We don't have to make him a temple. He can be worshipped anywhere. It meant to them, when they read their creation account, there is only one God and he is sovereign over everything. He's not fighting or in competition with anyone. That's right. He's in charge. He doesn't need us to make him a temple. In fact, he doesn't need us at all. But he wants us. Good. So it would have blown their minds. And then, instead of him making an image like fashioning from wood or stone a statue of himself, he created the image of himself in this living, breathing humanity. That's right. And the image of God was presented to the world not through idols, but through living, breathing people. 
And that wherever we went, the image of God was shown to all of creation. If you like, we are the idols of Yahweh. We are the picture to the world of who he is. He comes and inhabits us and presents himself to the world through us. They would have been blown away and it would have completely altered their worldview. We are made in his image. There are two defining statements about God in the Bible. First of all, that that God is love. And the second, God is holy. God is holy is mostly spoken about in the Old Testament and God is love is mostly spoken about in the New Testament. But these are the two definitive, absolute statements made about the nature and character of God. He's holy and he's love. Therefore, our first purpose is to receive his holiness and his love. To receive righteousness from him and to receive love from him. And then our second purpose must be to reveal his holiness and love to the world. We should stand in every circumstance and when the world looks at us, they should say, oh, that's what the holiness of God looks like. Oh, that's what love is. Sorry, Mariah Carey. (laughs) I want to know where love is, and I want you to show me. This is God's voice to you. Go into the world and show my love, show my holiness. Now, some of you might say, that's a really tall order. Heck yes. That's, that's an order, that's a, that's a job description way past any of our own ability. Correct. When we separated from God. But you see, the solution that God made for the, the world was that his presence would come and reside in us through the reconciliation he brought about through Jesus Christ. And now we we most certainly can show the love and holiness of God by yielding to the presence of God within us, to following the leading of the Holy Spirit, to, to being obedient to the presence of God taking us through our life, to, to being able to follow his dictates and his ways by virtue of his grace within us. Come on. Now there are some of you who are saying, you know, I just don't feel close to God. There's some of you who, who at some stage, you, ha- you have made a commitment to be close to God, but, but maybe that's, that's waned and you're thinking, gosh, if I have to do that, how would I do that now? Don't worry, I'm going to pray for you right at the end. There's some of you that, that maybe you have never actually uh, accepted that, that reconciliation, that you could be close and inhabited by the presence of God. Don't worry, I'm going to pray for you at the end. So we are created in his image. We reflect God's love and holiness to the world. So have dominion. All of you know that very dominating person. They're not sitting here, but you know them. That very dominating, controlling person that always wants it their way, and they could easily just read the scripture and say, see, have dominion, it's part of my mandate. I'm supposed to be in charge and in control of this environment. But I want you to notice something. That when the Bible, when God spoke to Adam and Eve, and the Bible says to us to have dominion, 
it doesn't ever tell us to have dominion over another person. You see, human beings are meant to walk shoulder to shoulder, together, as partners, as a team. But it does say that we have dominion over nature. Remember I said God ordered the world in those six days, Genesis six days of creation. And at the end, well, all the way through he says it's good and then right at the end he says it's very good. What he didn't say is it's perfect. He says it's good and very good. You see, there were things in creation that God left undone. Because his purpose was to take arms with humanity and continue, continue the ordering of creation until it perfectly reflected his nature and his kingdom. That's our goal, that, that's our end, that's our job description, is to with God, to order the chaos of, of creation and can make it conform to the image of God. In other words, we are meant to create vaccines. We are meant to build bridges. We are meant to make cities. We are meant to do medical science and, and harness the forces of nature through physics and engineering. We are meant to do this in partnership with God, bringing about his perfect plan for the earth, ordering all of the chaos of creation into something that looks like the nature and character of Jesus. This is who we are. Isn't that exciting? My dad loved to fix things. Absolutely loved to fix things. And he had three girls, and he didn't care that we were girls. He made us fix them with him. Did he need us? Not in your wildest imagination. We made it so much harder for us. Did he want us? Absolutely. I passed him spanners. I cut wires. I turned bolts. I did pumped tires. I did everything with him, and I felt like him and me were co-creating together. When that car engine purred afterwards, I was like, see what I did. <laughs> you see, this is how God is. He's raising sons and daughters, and he's walking with us and saying, come, let's make this work together. I'll give you the ideas. They're here, hand me that spanner. Let's make the storm still. Let's harness this energy. Let's build this thing. Let's make this work. Let's destroy this virus. Let's, let's make things better. That's who we are. That's who we are. Yes, it makes me excited. The New Testament takes this concept and uses different words for it, but it says things like, uh, talking about the kingdom, it says in Matthew 10, um, as you go, I proclaim as you go, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you see the same thing coming through? We are meant to stand in the world and say, not that way, the kingdom of heaven is here, go this way. That's what it means to have dominion. Pray then like this, he said in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are meant to pray, work, do, love, act. 
so that his kingdom comes, so that the dominion of Jesus Christ is seen all over, that we, we, are, we are with God ordering the chaos around us to make it represent his love and his life and his holiness. We are partnering with God as his image bearers to facilitate the fullness of his kingdom coming in creation. And no, your eyes aren't going crazy. That is out of focus. But we will have it better next week. Building has its problems. The good future of the world is found in the partnership between God and mankind. The good future of the world is found in the partnership between God and mankind. Because God is good and empowering beyond your wildest imagination, and humans are valuable beyond what you've ever thought. So I want to pray for people. I said right at the beginning, halfway through the sermon, that I would pray for people who are feeling far from God. And you might, you, there, there are three categories of those kind of people. You might be right with God, but it's just a feeling of distance. And, and the thought of showing his image is, is tough for you. Mm-hmm. You feel like, I just, I just need breakthrough where I am. That's one category of people. There's another category of people where, where, you know what, you, you can't remember a time when you made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, and you need to do that today. Yeah. And then there's a third category of people, you have made a commitment to follow him, but you have just found yourself just straying other ways, being distracted by things, and, and you want to turn your attention back to him, so that the image of God can be polished, so to speak, in your life. And so if that's you and you would like prayer in any of that regard, I'm going to ask you to stand. Any of three of those categories, won't won't you stand? And I want to pray for you. You just want to feel closer to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. So great. Thank you. Thank you. Church, can we just extend our hands to these? Lord Jesus, I ask for each and every one here, Lord God, that you would, you would deliver them from the distance between you and them. I'm going to ask us all to pray this. You may have prayed it before, but let's just all pray it together. Lord Jesus, I come and I surrender my life to you. Lord, I acknowledge that there's distance between you and me. Lord God, come and save me. Fill up that gap. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And I acknowledge you as such. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Lord, I bless these in Jesus' name. I want to ask all of you, if you wouldn't mind making your way to the info table afterwards and just, just letting them know that you have made this decision. We would, for instance, we would love you to be a part of Ignition so that you can, you can just, we can walk with you to, to order your steps and help you what, to solidify what you've done today in your everyday life. So thank you. You may, you may be seated. The last category of people I want to talk about, talk to is everyone in this hall. I want to talk to you about your daily work. 
your daily relationships. I want to talk to you about the image of God and I want to pray for that to exude from you. I want to pray that you would be effective in having dominion. The ideas and the wisdom of heaven would be upon you to bring your environment into the acknowledgement of the glory of God. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I want you, while you're standing, to think of two things. First of all, I want, you to, I want you to think of two people in your life to whom you can show the glory of God, can show the image of God. And I want you to ask God to give you ideas for actions, prayers, acts of love and service to them, conversations, opportunities to share your testimony, opportunities to invite them to church or connect group. I want, I want you to think of two people that you can show the image of God to this week. And we're going to pray for them and for you in those relationships. And then I want you to think of one sticky problem in your life today where clearly the kingdom of God is not evident. And I want us to pray that God would come there and that he would use you to bring his rule and reign there. So Father, just raise your hands to heaven, indicate that you're receiving from him. Lord God, I pray for every person that these people have thought about. Lord God, I ask that you would give them opportunity to share the life and the image of God with these people, that, that people would see Christ in them, the hope of glory, that, that Lord God, you would give them thoughts, conversations, opportunities, um, declarations, actions, that would help, would help the image of God to be shown to these people, Lord God. And for those people they're thinking of, Lord God, would you pull down the strongholds of ungodliness in their minds and hearts? Lord God, would you, the things that have prevented them from knowing you, would you, would you push them away, Lord God? And would you cause those people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And Lord God, I pray for that, that difficult, tricky situation that everyone has thought of. Lord God, and I ask for the wisdom of heaven on each one of these. I ask for the power of heaven on each one of these, Lord God, that as they face that situation, Lord God, your life and power and presence would come in astounding ma ma manner, measures and manners, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that you would break through in power, Lord God. That those situations would be brought under your dominion through us, Lord Jesus. That we would manifest your love and holiness in ways, Lord God, that, that would cause those situations to be turned around. Thank you, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Especially, I feel like there's some people that are facing financial difficulties and financial constraints. Lord God, right now, I speak to those constraints and I command them to be stepped aside. I command that those walls to fall in Jesus' name. And I speak to these resources that are needed for the situation. I say, come right now in Jesus' name. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. You must come resources, finances, you must come to the situation that God's kingdom could come and his will could be done in that situation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand?